Hello everybody, and welcome to Gaming in the Wild, a video games podcast about games from the artistic, creative side of the tracks, from indie to AAA. My name's John, I'm your host, I'm a journalist based out in Reykjavik, Iceland, where this week we've continued to have, since the last episode, a really crazy earthquake situation. Um, it turns out that the Reykjanes Peninsula where the Keplavik International Airport is. Um, it's not far from Reykjavik City. It's about a 40 minute drive or so. 50 minutes maybe. Um, there's been a huge amount of earthquakes out there, like an almost unprecedented amount for feeling them in, in Reykjavik City. Um, some geologists have been looking at what's going on. It turns out the, the tectonic divide out there is grumbling and causing regular four to five scale earthquakes that we're feeling here in the city and that magma may be coming to the surface. Um, there are no kind of indications that it's a threat to Reykjavik or anything apart from apart from that these things cause a lot of gas to pour out of the earth um, so you can get bad air quality and that kind of thing. But I don't know, the rumbling, the constant rumbling under under the feet, it's causing a certain kind of vertigo in some people and I'm one of them. And there's always this feeling of everything shaking and you're like, am I imagining it or is that an earthquake I'm feeling? So it's been a kind of an unusual, unsettled week here with the earth literally shaking under our feet. But along with that, along with uh, living with earthquakes in a way that I've really not been used to, I've had some really fun times with my gaming life this week. The first thing I'm going to talk about is that I got a, a parcel, an order from uh, Annapurna Interactive, my favourite publisher, I guess. Um, I ordered some Sayonara Wild Hearts tarot cards. If you've played that game, you'll know that um, tarot is a theme within the game, and that tarot cards, really stylized ones, appear on the screen to introduce each level, and that you can collect them as you move through the game. Um, and there's like a little index of the, uh, the Sayonara Wild Hearts tarot, and um, Annapurna produced a deck of Major Arcana uh, based on the Sayonara Wild Hearts uh, colour palette and design. They are really beautiful. They're like a deep purple colour, like much of the, the backgrounds, the backdrops of the game. And then the designs themselves are inlaid onto the cards in this beautiful holographic foil. So when you shine them in the light, you get this kind of oily rainbow prism ripple traveling across the cards, um, and the sides of the cards also have that that coloring. So the Sayonara World Hearts Tarot is just absolutely beautiful. I posted it on my Twitter and on my Instagram. Those are at Gaming in the Wild. If you'd like to see my my hand modeling of the Sayonara World Hearts Tarot. Um, and I was also really happy that the the envelope came with um, an Anapa Interact Interactive um, enamel badge, which is like a kind of a stylized cartridge with the Annapurna logo on it and a couple of pin badges and bits and pieces. Um, so I was thinking like as, as a digital gamer it's so nice to get uh, the occasional physical product as like an expression of this of this uh, big interest in games. I feel the same about Amiibos and like uh, I bought a Hyperlight Drifter figurine and it's really nice to have physical things sometimes even though I don't want like shelves full of game cases and all of that kind of 
plastic and removable media. I actually quite like the convenience of digital, especially living out here in Iceland, where games aren't readily available and you have to pay an awful lot of import tax on things, like a crazy amount of import tax, sometimes more than the object is worth. It's, it's just nuts the way they do it. So digital gaming suits me really well. But I do love having those physical things, so it was a real good mood lifter to get a sign or a Wild Hearts Tarot. Maybe I'll do some uh, some kind of stream or insta-live or something where I, I read them for people or pull a card for people. Um, I certainly will for my patrons on Patreon. If you're a patron on Patreon, just hit me up in the, in the Discord and I'll pull a card for you if you wish. Um, also, I've been playing a lot more of um, several games. I've been playing Maquette. I've been playing Fallout 4, that's been my main game, and I've been playing Nuts on my mobile using the Backbone controller to turn it into a mini-switch. But the main game I'll talk about today is A Plague Tale. It's the 2019 kind of medieval Last of Us uh, narrative game. It's nine or ten hours long. Um, I had a, a really good time with it. I have some critique of it, and I have a lot of praise for it too. So that will be the main game that we'll review today. But yeah, I've been playing um, Fallout 4, which is surprisingly... Like, I knew I would like it probably as a a fan of science fiction games, a fan of narrative games, a fan of open-world exploration games. But as someone that doesn't really gel that well with first-person shooters, um, I I didn't know if I would click with it entirely. Like, I bounced off Bioshock, even though I really like it. But Fallout 4 has turned out to really, really get its hooks into me. I'm really enjoying it. Um, The gameplay loop is so enjoyable to me. It's like every time I boot it up, I have a plan to go to the next story point and find out more about the plot of the game. But I just get so sidetracked on the way. As you're walking through this incredibly detailed and well-rendered post-apocalyptic Boston, you'll see supermarkets and museums and uh, like car factories and just old shacks um, sunken village that has sunk beneath a flood because of, of a broken dam um, and has had a kind of a bridge structure built across the top of the rooftops so you can walk across the rooftops. Um, there are kind of motorway overpasses that have kind of smashed um, and turned into this just these hulking kind of post-apocalypse sculptures. And so I really get sucked into the world Um and I end up like you know finding a supermarket that you can go into, and and then realizing that there's a, a basement there that's infested. Going down into the basement, finding a safe, finding clues for the password of the safe, and really getting derailed from my objective, but in the most enjoyable way. It all feels very spontaneous, but at the same time, like exploring that supermarket I'm talking about, um, it actually also felt very cinematic and curated. Like there's a moment when you come into a toilet um, and you, the stalls are closed and you can open each stall door wondering if there is like a feral ghoul inside that's going to jump out at you. And they tricked you out. So like I opened a stall door and there's like a skeleton sitting on the toilet of a human. But then I turned around and there are these kind of thin slit windows at the top of the room because it's in a basement. And the ghouls started slipping in through the windows, like three or four of them, and it... My heart beat so fast as I had that little gun battle with them. Um, And so, although it's like a first-person shooter, and although it feels somewhat spontaneous and free, it feels like every corner of the world that you come to 
has been carefully designed to give you a really, really well-prepared, detailed, kind of manicured experience. And so I'm, I'm really enjoying that game. I'm really in awe of it. I'm spending a lot of time thinking about playing it even when I'm not, and that's the sign of a really good game, I think, when you you know, when you're really in love with something, when you wake up and you think, oh, I can't wait to get on the PlayStation and do a couple of hours of that game. I think the last time I had this, I mean, I had it with the Outer Wilds. I remember that that one took over my mind. And even when I wasn't thinking about it, I I was on some level. And Fallout 4 has gotten to that level of addiction. So after I finished recording this show, I think I will go and hop on to Fallout 4. I also played uh, Maquette for the first time. Um, it's a brand new game that came out recently, um, last week I think, maybe on Monday of this week actually it came out. It's a first person puzzle game in the style of Superliminal, The Witness, Portal, things like that. But it's really different from all of those games in mood. Um, it has this kind of Wes Anderson style to it with um, very vivid colours, very bright colours, kind of fairy lights strewn across the the environments that you walk through lush gardens uh fairground with a huge um carousel um which contains a maquette of the world that you're walking through so there's a small model of the world that you walk through and you can drop items into that model say you find a little uh let's say a bridge a model of a bridge that you can pick up and hold if you drop it into the maquette and then look around behind you, you'll see a huge version of it dropping into the, the world as it stands. So there's this kind of size manipulation between objects inside the maquette and the way that they exist outside of the maquette. And you can make things bigger, make things smaller. And there's lots of scale puzzles and things like that. It was really fun. Um, it's really in my wheelhouse. But um, I have had a couple of complaints about it too. Um, some of the puzzles seem a little blunt, like you get one object and you do one thing with it, and that's kind of it for that puzzle. Um, and there's also a kind of a love story. Um, my heart sank when I heard the love story part, honestly, because I love the idea of moving through this mysterious world, not knowing quite what is up, but there is a kind of a love story stapled on there, so occasionally you'll get a voiceover about a young couple meeting in a coffee house, um, bonding over a sketchbook, getting to know each other, and this kind of punctuates your experience of coming through the world of maquette. Um, these little chapters of love story. And honestly, it's it's quite a vanilla love story. It's a little bit kind of rom, rom romantic, lightweight movie style, like meeting cute, as they say. And then um, just getting to know each other, getting like spending time together, doing things together, and you're kind of walking through a map of this relationship. But unfortunately, the relationship so far is not interesting. <laughs> it's a relationship with no personality to it. It feels very bland to me. And so I've become a little irritated by these love story sections that are interrupting my experience of this quite beautifully rendered world. Um, so the way that music is used in the game is also very cool. They use real old songs like, that feel like they're from the, the 50s, maybe. Um, just really old school, fun, sort of soulful music. Um, so it looks bright. It sounds great. The world itself is fun. 
um, but the the puzzles and the writing aren't quite grabbing me yet. So I played the first chapter of the game, and I've taken a pause. I will come back to it and finish it, but I thought I would offer my first thoughts on Maquette. If you are a fan of the Portal, Witness, Superliminal, Manifold Garden genre of first-person exploration and puzzle games, you will probably like this game to some degree anyway, so I would pick it up anyway if you like those games and that style. And in that style, actually, I also want to try Antichamber. That's a missing one. And a couple of other games, The Talos Principle. Those are a couple that I'm missing from my kind of exploration of this genre. And I will play the rest of Maquette. It's very appealing, and I'll get to it and offer some further thoughts after I've completed it. And the final game that I've really spent time with this week is Nuts. It's the game that came out on Apple Arcade, Steam and Switch a few weeks ago. Um, um, Reagan over on the short game pointed out to me that it was made by people in Iceland, um, which is really interesting to me. Like I'm, I'm kind of scouting out the local dev scene here just to see who is out there making games and what's being made, just out of a, a general interest about what's happening within the creative community around me. Um, and so I actually got in touch with the guys who made that game, uh, Torvi and June. They're two of a team of five. And it turns out that they're headquartered not far from me, a couple of kilometers away in a kind of an innovation center. So I popped along to meet them and talk to them and just put faces to names. Um, and I had a really nice time with them. It was really fun to meet them and to discuss the, the development of the game and just hear about what they're working on now kind of standardizing the game across different platforms and just doing some post-release work and working on various other interesting projects too. So once I've finished Nuts, which I'm having a really good time with, um, it's a game about surveilling squirrels. So it's it has a kind of a reference with Firewatch, I would say, in that you're in a cabin in the wilds doing interesting but also mundane tasks. Like in Firewatch, you're kind of clearing away wood or watching out for fires or interrupting some teens that are partying or like going to tell some people off for launching fireworks, which they shouldn't do in a national park, of course. And in this game, you're kind of taking out cameras to set them up, um, surveilling squirrels by night, going back to review the footage and find out what the squirrels are doing. Turns out they're doing some quite interesting things. Um, and so I've been really enjoying the game. I'm enjoying the art style enjoying the kind of, I think it plays very well and controls well, and there is an interesting hook to the story mixed with this kind of calm, repetitive activity of moving your cameras to track the squirrel's movements and find out where they're coming from or going to. I think I'm on chapter three now. I'm not sure how many there are. I think it's five or six. So I'm going to play through that game, um, and I'll talk about it in more detail afterwards. And I hope to, to interview Torvi and June about the game's development as well. Um, later on. It's nice to support Icelandic developers. And if you're interested in Nuts, I can already recommend it. It's a recommendation from me, especially if you like the sound of the uh, the calmness of it. Um, it's on Switch, Steam, Apple Arcade. But before I talk about A Plague Tale, I would like to also give a shout out to my new patron supporter, Ezlo Midna, obviously a Zelda fan, who signed up for the, uh, the mid-tier of £2.50 a week on Patreon. Um, so thanks very much to Ezlo and Midna for signing up. It re means a lot to me. It's a real mood lifter. Every time someone signs up, I get a smile and feel really good about it every time I see that that patron email. Um, if you are interested in supporting this show on Patreon, whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, 
Um, you can do so at patreon.com slash gaming in the wild from as little as one dollar euro a pound a month up to five. Um, and for that, you'll get bonus episodes occasionally. I'm planning one about some new music that I've been listening to. Um, you'll also get weekly sale recommendations for PlayStation and Switch. And you'll get an invite to our Discord community where I hang out with some friends and listeners and patrons and we all talk about what we're playing and we like do top fives about different kind of games and share screenshots and give each other recommendations. I found some great games from there. I got a recommendation for um, Monument Valley the other day, and I've been on my downtime doing a couple of levels of that here and there. Really, really fun. Um, I always like to pop in there, see what people are playing. It's a really nice, cosy little corner of the internet. So if you're interested in joining us on Discord, getting extra episodes and um, showing support for this show, then it's patreon.com slash gaminginthewild. Um, Thanks very much to Eslo, thanks to all my patrons, and thanks to you if you're considering becoming a member. And with that said, let's move on and talk about this week's featured game, A Plague Tale. So A Plague Tale Innocence is this week's featured game. It's A Plague Tale colon Innocence, which kind of suggests that it might be the start of something, like there'll be A Plague Tale colon, you know, something else later. Um, It's a game by Asobo, a French studio. It came out in 2019. Asobo have made a bunch of Pixar games in the past. I was really interested to look up their their gameography and see that they've made Pixar games for almost 20 years. They were also involved with Flight Simulator 2020, so they're involved with Microsoft. I think this game is available on Game Pass if you happen to be an Xbox user. Um, It's also available on PlayStation 4 where I played it, and I believe it's available elsewhere too. Um, The composer behind this quite striking soundtrack is Olivier de Riviere. Um, he has made quite an unusual and really memorable and very effective soundtrack with this kind of groaning cello that you can hear right now. That kind of characterizes the music throughout the game, although the piece we're listening to now called Inquisition is kind of the, the bad guy music. It's a little bit like the Darth Vader theme uh, from Star Wars. But I love this kind of music. I love strings. I love especially low strings that have that really spectacular groan to them like this one does. Um, It's deployed very well throughout the game. Um, The game is told in chapters, so it's like a a, a novelistic kind of um, structure. You'll play through like the intro part where you meet the characters and then the second chapter with a little bit of journeying and so forth. So it's, it's cut up into nice chunks for you. And as a game at the length that it is, which is, I think I played it in, I can't remember, I might have been quite slow and played it in 12 hours, but it's listed as being a nine or 10 hour game. Uh, it's it's really well designed so that you could play it episodically quite easy. It's not a game where you have to put it down, go away, come back and kind of reacquaint yourself with where you're at exactly. 
it's it's done very well so that you could play like a 20 minute half hour session or a one hour session go away come back remember all the controls and remember where you're at in the plot and move on and it's it's very cinematic also there's a lot of uh, great cinematography set pieces a lot of cutscenes and pretty solid dialogue throughout but i'm getting a bit ahead of myself here first of all i'll um, describe the scenario of this game you play as Amicia Darun, a young French noblewoman who is tasked with looking after her kid's brother Hugo, um, a young child. Amicia is probably in her early teens, but Hugo is a really young kid. He needs to be looked after all the time. He's scared and he wants his mom and that sort of thing. Uh, the game is set in medieval France during the Hundred Years' War, the, the war between England and France that lasted a really long time. A hundred years, no less. And in the middle of this war, somewhat unbelievably, there was an outbreak of the plague, the Black Death that swept across Europe and killed a huge amount of people, um, an estimated 25 million people. Um, it was spread by rats, famously, and that is the, the kind of the hook of this game. It's the presence of rats who are given a kind of a not just like scurrying around in houses and kind of something to be feared, attracted to trash and humans and biting people, but rather is gifted a kind of a more malevolent kind of overarching presence of the rats throughout the game. Like there's more to the rats in this game than than meets the eye or matches the historical record. So they're a very interesting kind of presence, a dark presence throughout the game. But the game begins in quite a chill kind of way, actually. Like, um, you are Amicia, and you you walk through the Darun estate, and you can kind of walk through the trees, you can see people around you, like, chopping wood and preparing food and doing the kind of things, like a little sort of walled village estate. So there are all these workers buzzing around doing stuff, and you walk through the farm area, you can see the, the farm animals see people going about their tasks. Um, there's someone there who will give you a little bit of catapult training so you can figure out how to use your slingshot. Um, and as you're walking around, these characters are all talking to each other. They're talking about rumours. They're talking about rumours from the war, but they're also talking about rumours of uh, a strange, dark threat that is out there somewhere, and people are a little bit scared for those various reasons. But as Amicia Darun, you, you wander through, you meet your father um, and your mother. Uh, Hugo is kind of secreted away, a little bit like the, the main character of The Secret Garden, like a little bit of a sickly child who Amicia doesn't really know. Um, and the father says, let's go out into the, the woods to investigate one of these rumours. So you go out into the woods with your dad, you get a bit of backstory, it's beautifully rendered, like the trees and leaves and the, the colours, the foliage and the kind of the lush plant life of this countryside is fantastic. And if you've listened to this show at all, you'll know that I'm an absolute sucker for wonderful depictions of nature in games. And uh, A Plague Tale, for a game of this type, I guess it's not exactly a AAA game, but it's about as close as you can get without being one from the looks of it, like... The, the audio-visual presentation of this game is utterly flawless. It runs perfectly, and it looks spectacularly good. Like, the visuals are so striking. You'll often find yourself walking through countryside, walking through villages, walking through, you know, castles, 
the whole medieval France experience, and it, it really is a, a gripping uh, ride. And the gameplay throughout the game is kind of has its highs and lows, but you can always rely on the audiovisual presentation to keep you interested and to keep you moving along. And so I'm not, I'm going to try and talk about this game without giving too many spoilers. I mean, I'm only talking about chapter one at the moment, but if you do want to play the game completely fresh without any inkling of what's going to happen at the very beginning of the game, like the setup for what becomes the game, I'm going to mention it a little bit now, so it's just fair warning. But as you might expect in in films of this type, for example, it is very cinematic. It does feel like a movie or a Netflix show. Um, there is an Inquisition that is uh, scouring France looking for some kind of secret knowledge. And it turns out that the Darun family uh, are the bearers of this knowledge. And so the Inquisition comes to the estate. They, they fuck shit up. They... Um, kill Amicia's parents and that's the setup of the game. Amicia is now responsible for Hugo. She escapes through the garden and that's our first introduction to the stealth elements that will be key to the gameplay of the game. And then that's the setup of the game. So Amicia is escaping through France with her young brother Hugo who is of very particular interest to the Inquisition and you are basically trying to survive, trying to escape, trying to find safe harbour but the Daroons are noble, a noble family, and so their name carries a little bit of weight. And so Amicia basically has to just get moving, try and use her name, use her reputation, take care of Hugo, and, and figure out what to do with her life, I guess, after, after the, the collapse of the estate and the, the chase of the Inquisition. And this takes some really interesting forms. For example, you'll go to a nearby village... Um, and as you move through the village, um, the windows are all slamming shut. You'll see evidence of the plague. Um, it gets pretty bleak, as you would imagine, as you're moving through a plague-stricken area. Um, there is also a battlefield that you'll encounter with uh, incredible macabre devastation of, of a huge battle having taken place. And you, as Amicia, walking across it. Um, there are also, as well as this kind of exploration and narrative, there are also some environmental puzzles. So, for example, as you're crossing the battlefield, um, there are rats everywhere, uh, hundreds of them just swarming around you. you. You can't get near them, but they won't come near light. And so there are puzzles involving lamps, lanterns, fires, using your catapult to light lamps, using your catapult to extinguish lamps. You get different types of ammunition that you can craft. You can collect bits and pieces here and there to craft ammunition, craft new types of ammunition, upgrade Amicia's sling, and all of that sort of thing. Um, and these puzzles are perhaps... It's the most sort of gameplay chunks of the game are stealth combat. Like, Amicia can't be caught, she'll be killed, she's a kid. But she can creep around, she can use her slingshot to knock out enemies or to you know, really hit them in the head and they collapse with a spurt of blood and it seems like she's killing them with a slingshot. Perhaps vaguely improbable, but, you know, it is what it is. So you have stealth combat, you have puzzles, Amicia's very vulnerable, and so you have to creep around, you have to use lanterns, you have to open doors, you have to find your way through obstacles, 
creep across a battlefield, um, avoid rats, and move d- ever deeper into the kind of the dark heart of this strikingly beautiful but but horribly macabre setting that the game is in, and the and the beautiful but grim world game world that you're presented with. And so there is a lot to like about A Plague Tale. I found it to be a really a really striking and involving experience. I think the first half of the game particularly is very well done, very well judged. The way that you're pulled along through the story is, is very striking. It's like a very good movie. You, you really are drawn to see what's happening next, what's coming next. You feel increasingly um, protective of Hugo and Amicia. And the story evolves in some really interesting directions. Um, so it's it's a good ride. It's a, a good ride that goes to to some dark places. Um, the the bad things about the game, perhaps. I mean, the second half gets more stealth combat orientated, and so there is much more kind of die and retry scenarios. For example, if you come into the square of a town and there are twelve guards there. If you alert one, then they will all start looking for you, and Amicia can't be caught, um, and so you might take out a few of them one by one, and then move away from the scene of the crime so that they're they're not on your scent and plan on how to take out the rest sequentially. But if you mess up, if you're spotted, and sometimes being spotted is a little spotty, um, it feels like perhaps you you look like you were hidden, but you'll catch someone's eye um, when you were hiding behind a crate or whatever, and you'll be like, wait a minute, I, I was I was hidden, wasn't I? But it's too late, they kind of charge you down, and you have nowhere to run, and then you have to do the whole thing again. And so there are a few sections as the game presses on that become a little frustrating. It's not an incredibly challenging game, but there are these kind of peaks where the the momentum of the story is halted a little, and it is a narrative-led game, and so it has a cinematic tension that draws you along. That's the main thrust of the game, is to get further into the story and find out where it's taking you. And so if you're made to do the same action sequence five times and see Amicia die five times and and have to restart it again, it, it really takes the steam out of the story, it, it takes the speed out of the story and starts to feel a little bit grindy. Um, so the stealth combat is, you know, it's okay, it's it's fine, it's not exactly, um, like, I don't know, it's not exactly sharp, it's a little bit muddy, the way that you move and kind of, the like I said, the hiding and things like that, so it's kind of, you just have to get through it, and and that's a little bit unfortunate in a way, because the game is so well crafted, audio-visually, and the voice acting is at a really high standard, the writing is at a high standard, the gameplay itself is a little clunky, um, and the integration of uh, gameplay with storytelling, it does feel sometimes like you're going through the motions of carrying out some tasks because it's a game, and in games you have to carry out tasks, you know, rather than just telling the story at its own pace. It's like, let's put a bunch of pushing stuff, puzzles and levers in, in your way, and and the player will get through that. And it just feel like getting through it sometimes. Um, but I know that my taste is specific, others might enjoy the kind of... Uh, the gamey puzzles that the game drops in your way. 
um, that you have to get through to get the story. It's not my favorite thing to feel like, you know, like a, a hamster tapping the food button to get little pellets of story. It's never something that I like. But it is always a challenge for game makers to integrate story and gameplay in these narrative, cinematic, Last of Us type games. And, and A Plague Tale is heavily inspired by The Last of Us. In The Last of Us, you play Joel, who's a bit of a powerhouse, but he too has to creep around stealthily whilst looking after a young dependent. Um, so it's a, a medieval version of that, and rather than sawn-off shotguns and uh, you know tire irons, you you have a little slingshot and you're a young girl protagonist. Um, but if you like The Last of Us gameplay, then you might well really like a Plague Tales gameplay. I will say that um, what The Last of Us has in its favour, and is perhaps most famous for, quite deservedly, is the mature writing of it. It's the way that Joel has quite a complex emotional character. Um, subtle emotional character, he seems to carry a lot of weight from his past, and we see that playing out in his psychology and his decision-making. And the same with Ellie. Ellie is like a very uh, deep and well-thought-out character who kind of rings true most of the time. Um, a Plague Tale doesn't have that level of sophistication to it. It's much more Netflixy. whereas, um, I mean, ironically, considering that The Last of Us is getting a Netflix series, it felt like more uh, mature writing. And A Plague Tale feels a little more like a kind of action-y kind of movie script whereas The Last of Us just felt very human, and it was that humanity that really elevated it. So I can kind of see why A Plague Tale didn't quite hit the same heights of success, despite being, um, it looks superior to The Last of Us, and it in many ways is in presentation, but it doesn't have that kind of, that depth and that, that maturity that the writing of The Last of Us had. Um, the story will at some points feel familiar to you. But for for all of that critique that I've just leveled at the game, I do think that it is, um, it's accomplished. It makes you care for Amisha and Hugo. It has some fantastic set pieces, some great scenery, whether it's the macabre battlefield or, you know, an abandoned castle that you can explore, caves and riversides and villages. Um, it's always just gorgeous to look at and it really does pull you forward through the game. Um, I had a good time with it. I had a couple times where I wanted to put it down and step away from it for a while just because of the the repetitious nature of some of the, the action and stealth sequences. But I did get back to it in the end. I powered through to the, the final battle and um, I really had a good time with the game. Um, I can recommend it. Um, it's on sale now, I believe, and it's often on sale. It's on Xbox Game Pass. Um, I'm surprised it's not on PlayStation now, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it there at some point. And I would welcome a sequel. Um, I would like to see a Plague Tale 2 or a Plague Tale colon, whatever they decide upon. It's a good story, good game worlds, good characters. Um, and, it, and it could be a great standalone or it could be the start of a really good series. That's a Plague Tale Innocence. So that's our episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing about it, uh, A Plague Tale, and my adventures in Fallout 4, and the other games that I've been playing. Um, I'm always really happy to hear from listeners on social media, so please come and find me. I'm at 
Gaming in the Wild on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and occasionally Twitch. You're also welcome to come and join up on the Patreon community if you enjoyed the show and you'd like to support the show. That's patreon.com slash gaming in the wild. Thank you manyfold, uh, manyfold, many times for anyone who wants to do that and support the show. I'll be back next week with another episode. So until then, take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks for listening and bye-bye for now.